Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Luke, the 18th chapter and beginning with the ninth verse. And the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, and they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God. I thank thee that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithe of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Lord, help us to understand what you're trying to tell us about life today. The good guys who hated Christ. There's a very interesting scripture that you find in the book of Mark that goes along with the scripture that I read from Luke, and you'll find it in the third chapter and somewhere along about the sixth verse. And reading from the modern word, you will find it so translated. So the Pharisees left the synagogue and met with some members of Herod's party, and they made plans to kill Jesus. And they made plans to kill Jesus. Someone was telling me about a group of our famous people of Hollywood were having a house party and they were playing this parlor game, who would you like to be like? And so it went around the room and someone in the group said, well, I would uh, like to be like Beethoven. Another one went on to say, well, I'd like to be like the great financier Rockefeller. And so it went and came around to Dick Van Dyke and he hesitated to say and he said to some to the fact that uh, he didn't want to sound foolish or dumb, uh, but he would like to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I suppose that story is so because it's in print. And that man always did have a high opinion of him, uh, but it goes up even more. Folks, that's why we're here this morning. That's why you're here, and that's why I'm here. It's because this is what we have set our heart and our mind and our soul on, uh, that we want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ as best we possibly can and be that person that God has called us to be. And when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, it's no wonder we feel this way because now we're in the days of Lent. It started some weeks ago, and that means we're in this period of time that the church is set aside to call our attention to the last 40 days that the Lord Jesus Christ was here on this earth and that the great suffering that he went through. And when we look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see 
that in these last days he was here upon the face of this earth, that he suffered everything that possibly a man could suffer. You know that he was abused, he was mistreated, he was denounced, and he was deserted, and he stood alone. About every wind that can sweep a human soul, physically, mentally, and emotionally, broke across this man's life. And yet when you look at him, you see that he didn't deviate one degree, he didn't drift off course, steadfast, regardless of what and how strong the winds maybe that swept him, but faithful to the very end. And so we look at that life and we're captivated by it as well we, we ought to be, all of us. I remember some years ago that there was a judge here within this city that dealing with young people, that he had a good idea, and I thought it was a good idea, only it didn't last about a couple of years, that when a young person was in trouble, for any reason within the community and called to his attention came before him that if it wasn't too serious a charge that uh, he uh, sentenced them that they had to go back to their home church and talk to their preacher. <laughs> I've always wondered about that. I remember one young person that came, a young man, and he was a very fine young man. He's a very brilliant young man, a very capable young man, but he was, he wasn't uh, like some of us are accident prone, but uh, he was trouble prone. He was always getting into trouble and he would go out with the best of intentions. And one time I said to him, I said, why don't you settle down and try, because I always get in fights. And I said, why don't you try to settle down with a little understanding and patience and love and consideration and try to behave yourself and do what you know that the good Lord has created you to be. And he looked at me and he says, preacher, he says, I want you to know, he says, I want to be, I want to be, I want to. Well, we can identify with him. We set our hearts and our minds in a direction that we want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And we look at this life and we see it the most beautiful, the most perfect one that ever lived and beautiful in every detail. And here's where the trouble comes. We look at a situation and I'm troubled in the situation that I read to you this morning. How did it happen? On the one hand, you see Christ, the perfect person the most perfect person that the world will ever know. And you look at the other side of the situation and here are those good men and they had come to the place where they hated the Lord Jesus Christ. They were dressed in human nature like you and I are today. But the real question is, in my mind, how did this happen? How did this terrible thing happen? These good men come to the place of where they actually not only hated the Lord Jesus Christ, but they took counsel as how to destroy him. They straightway went out to hate and to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. How did it happen? Look at the situation. How could they be in the company with those who picked up the sword to kill Jesus? How could they be in the company with those that cried out for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and nailed him alive to the cross? How could they be in the company with those kind of people? I remember some years ago a very interesting situation. I used to think of myself as being quite a sportsman at, in the field hunting. I remember going out west on a hunting trip with some fine people. And on the ranch where we went hunting, this rancher said, Now all you fellows, there's another party there with us hunting. There's about seven or eight of us, I suppose, the two parties. I said, now I want you to go down and 
zero your rifle in and make sure you have knocked it uh, out of uh, sight uh, coming. So we went down to the rifle range and I, now you wouldn't know this unless I tell you because I was pretty good. Oh, I was real good. And uh, we were down there and we were just firing away and I had my gun and boy, I was just right on. I was good that day. I was just right on target. Well, most everyone was. The one guy there was not. And he was just having a, he was having an awful time with his gun and he was missing the whole sign. Just out there about 100 yards, he was missing the whole cotton picking sign. He just wasn't touching ground anywhere, you know, with it. And, and as he went on, his frustration got heavier and, and he hadn't been to Sunday school for a while either. You could tell that right off. And... <laughs> And so the other men all left the scene, and he was, was still there. And, and I went over to him, and I noticed that he had the same make and caliber gun that I had. Beautiful piece of workmanship. And so I told him, I said, here, you take my gun and try it with this. And so while he was firing with my gun, I looked at his, and immediately I saw what was wrong. Somehow or another, the one who had clamped the scope down had not set the screws properly. And so it was just enough off to really to cause him a problem. So we got a screwdriver and fixed the situation, and he qualified then to go hunting. He did a very good job. And, and someone told him that I was a preacher. And he went back to the other group. He says, you mean tell me that's a preacher? The guy said, yeah, he's a preacher. He says, what in the world is he doing out here with men? <laughs> <laughs> As I look at this situation, as I see with the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no way, dear ones, that I can make sense out of it to make it make sense in a way that it would be logical. Here were good men. There's no question about it. Let me run it by you real quickly now. The Pharisees, we don't have to take too much time to talk about the Pharisees because we know right off that they were in the lineage of Moses. They were on the earth a long time. They were a great group of people. In fact, in a time when there was no prophets, you know there was a time when an Amos and an Elijah and Elisha disappeared from the scene and, and they were sent everywhere in the world. And there was no great prophets. The Pharisees stepped in the gap here. And they're the ones that kept God's people on track. There's no question about it. You don't have to read too much to know that this is so. They were a great group of people. They kept the, the Jewish race pure from a pagan world in which they lived in a most difficult time. They were teachers by trade. They had this noble and honorable profession, and they did a great job. They were preachers by practice. They were Puritans by action. They were chosen of God. They gave a tithe of everything that they got. Some of us don't quite play fair with God, but, but they did. And it says in our scripture that they fasted twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. They did without something to eat. They were honoring what they believed to be the best things of the spiritual world. And you can say what you will about the Pharisees, and I can say plenty about them, of course, because Scripture tells us plenty. But one thing they did not do, and that was to cheat God. They had a law, and brother, they lived by it. Now there's another group of people. They were good men, good people. The Sadducees, they call them the Herodians. The Herodians were part of the Sadducee group. Now the Herodians, or the Sadducees, they had this difference. They were great religious people too, and they were good people. They had nationalism. Oh, they, listen, they waved the flag. They were just part of this situation, and their country above everything, and their people above everything. And the Sadducees came into existence about the time of David, and they were patriots, and they were kind and loving to one another. Oh, but if you didn't belong to their group, you had it. 
They were mean and sullen and curt. In fact, they thought that you were less a person. In fact, they didn't want to have any dealings with you at all. And it made them mad if they had to have any dealings with any business dealings with you. They sort of did it, but it was sort of a, of a situation that wasn't too good. Now, they had this interesting twist, though, religiously. They were the kind of people that could tell you what they didn't believe. Have you ever run into a Sadducee lately? Now, they're not too hot on telling you what they believe. Oh, but they can tell you what they don't believe. And whatever the Pharisees believed, the Sadducees did not believe. They were poles apart, one extreme to the other extreme. The Pharisee says that uh, we uh, believe in the soul. They said there's no such thing as a soul. The Pharisees said we believe in the resurrection of the body. The Sadducees said there's no resurrection of the body. The Pharisees said there's an afterlife. And the Sadducees there's no afterlife. This is it now here. And when you're dead, you're dead. Good people, poles apart. Do you see what the scripture is saying? It's these two people that hated one another. They disliked one another. And the Pharisees left the temple and they went straight over to see the Sadducees and made a deal with them. And the deal was to kill Jesus. How could this possibly happen? How could this happen? A conflict with Jesus. Good men. But the scripture is quite clear how it happened. And let me bring it to you in this fashion. Christ was one who spoke with authority. Christ was one who spoke with authority. One of the writers tells us that Jesus knew where he was from and where he was going. As there wasn't any guessing about it at all. There wasn't any hoping. There wasn't any him saying, I think this is right. There was no, uh, no ring of uncertainty in the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke with authority. He spoke with certainty. He spoke with knowledge. No guessing, no hoping, no thinking. This is it. This is the way that it is. And because he loved everyone... Oh, the Pharisees had those that they loved and no one else. The Sadducees had people that they loved and no one else. And most of the other people were, you know, just lesser breed. You just had to associate with them. Well, all right, but if you don't have to, don't do it. And here comes along Jesus. And he loved everybody. He loved the people down in the marketplace were bought and sold. He loved the woman at the well that made a mess out of her life. He loved her. He cared for her. He spoke to her about helping her to be the person that God created her to be. He loved everyone. All of them had a, a part and place with him. Those of you who have seen that picture, oh God, that's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And if you haven't seen it, you ought to. It's, it's quite good. But I found myself laughing at the wrong time. Sometimes everybody else laughing in a place where I was not laughing. I was laughing where they were not. Well, anyway, you remember that room, that scene in the room where he's talking about God loves everybody and how he loved everybody in the motel room there. And you remember he said, yes, and I even love that person that sold you that steak for eight dollars. <laughs> you know, it was a little bitty old steak. Well, God loves everybody. Jesus came saying that God loves everybody and I am an extension of God and and he says, I love everybody. And he said it with force. And Jesus was indifferent to some aspects of their religious practices. Oh, he drove them mad because he did not eat in a certain way. And he did not wash in a certain way. And, and he was always associating with the wrong people. 
And Jesus was very popular with the lesser breeds, those that they hated. And you look at the situation, you put it all together, you know what you're going to come up with? You're going to come up with hate every time. You're going to come up with hate every time, and that's exactly what happened to them. And it's one thing to hate somebody, and it's another thing to seek to destroy them. And this is exactly what these good men chose to do. And this is a simple way that came about. When Jesus was a man of authority and he knew where he was from and where he was going, they accused him of being a bigot, a tyrant, a dictator, and every other thing that they could think of because he wasn't guessing around like they were. He knew what he was doing. He knew that he knew what he was doing. This story was told to me some time ago. I haven't forgot. I get the picture of it. It's a man in an old folks' home. And all these men had to do was just sit around, I suppose, watch the soap operas. Well, anyway, he said, anybody here know how to fix a shoe? So his shoe was come off. He said, not a soul spoke up, not a one. He says, well, he says, I do. He says, I'm going to get the hammer and fix the sole on my shoe, and the first one tries to tell me how to do it, I'm going to hit him in the head with a hammer. <laughs> get the picture here. He knew what he was doing, but he was a bigot. He was a dictator. He was a man of love. And they said, he's not the man for our group. He's not the Messiah. He's not the one that is to come. He would be more particular in how he associates with people. Jesus did not hold to their sacred laws. And they said, he is not of God. He is a blasphemer. That's who he is, and that's what he is. And he was popular with those who are of the lesser breeds. And they said he comes seeking his own glory. He comes seeking his own glory. He has no real interest in God or in the kingdom that he is only trying to get a following to overthrow all the rest of us. Whatever he did displeased them, one of the other groups. He could not satisfy them. And they concluded that here is a dangerous man, the most loving, the most kind, the most considerate and understanding man that ever came upon the face of this earth. They looked at him and said, here is a dangerous man. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. Now, what does it speak of? It says that good men, if not careful, will join with crooks and do things that they ought not do if you don't guard carefully what you are doing. We have a possibility of keeping company with strange people who will do what we think is satisfying to our own prejudices. And we will join force with evil. And when that's done, I suppose the same thing happens again, that the Lord Jesus Christ is nailed alive to a cross. Evil takes the day when good men do nothing. Evil takes the day when good people do nothing. I had a meal not too long ago with a man, and we were talking about days gone by. And he asked me the simple question. He said, why did you decide to ask to leave our church when we had possibilities? And I said, there's two sides in most situations with all of us. There's one side over here that says do it, the other side over here says don't do it, and somewhere in between the most of us go to and fro. I said, the simple reason why 
that I thought that you did not need me anymore was because the good people that make up this great block couldn't make up their mind what they wanted to do and gave no voice at all. When good men and women fail to voice what they know within the citadel of their heart and their soul to be right, evil takes the day. It's always that way. It's not the ones way out here or the ones way over there. You can reach a dizzy height by keeping the law. And by keeping the law, you can know that you're good. And you can do precisely and exactly what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. You can come to the place where you mistake that for religion. And then you come to the place to do precisely what they did. You begin to play God. And you come to the place where my old aunt is. And she feels and she'll tell you so that if she doesn't like someone, she takes that as a sign that God doesn't like them. <laughs> you have reached it. There you are. Thank God I am not as other men. Well, when you come to that place, you're in trouble, dear friends. Not because I say so. Because the scripture has proved it to be an absolute. You see, you deal with a person's prejudices. You deal with these little things that we gather about us that we think are right religious, regardless of what Jesus has to say of their leadership of the Holy Spirit. And if you begin to deal with this, look out. You're either going to do one or two things. You're either going to make a saint out of me or you're going to make an enemy. It's the way that it is. And unfortunately, the Pharisees and the Sadducees moved over in the wrong direction. And they could not see the Lord Jesus Christ as a great person that he really was. And so they had lost, though they were called of God, make no mistake about it, the Pharisees and the Sadducees did a great deal for God and his kingdom. But now it comes down to it, you see, they had lost all sense of tenderness. They had lost all sense of compassion. Wasn't any compassion? None. Nowhere. They had lost all sense of brotherhood they had lost their ability seemingly or their capability to love and wherever that happens whether it happens with them or whether it happens with us as a church or whether it happens within your own heart and soul dear friends we're in trouble and I would say to us as we think and prepare ourselves for Easter and as we think about our blessed Lord in these days of Lent that we will come again to re-examine our own position and see if we can find in the very citadel of our heart and our soul where things really take place that make a difference and see if you can find the love, compassion, and the understanding that you need in order for you to fulfill this wonderful, glorious place that God has given to you and to me in his kingdom. Oh, our Father, help us, we pray thee. Amen.
Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 